0: Okay everyone, we're back with another Ferment Podcast. I'm here with KB and we've got Kate Looney with us and this is not quite an interview today. We're actually going to give you a bit of an insight into the Patricia competitor tasting that we've just done for 2020 and so we thought we'd bring Kate in for her expert guidance on that and also KB will have her thoughts on the wine so we're really excited to share how that went. How are you today, Kate?
1: Oh, very good.
0: Excited? Yes. <laughs>
1: so, Kate, you would never tell our listeners, but it's been a massive week for you. You were nominated as one of three winemakers across Australia for Winemaker of the Year, and on Tuesday night, it was announced that you're actually the winner. <laughs> How does it feel? You are the 2020 Winemaker of the Year.
2: Ah, uh, it's pretty amazing, really. I obviously didn't back myself. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going somewhere else. So I was totally surprised and blindsided by it all, but it was a it's a real thrill and then just I guess the beautiful messages that I've had and the congratulations from so far afield everywhere. It's yeah, been it's just been lovely. It's such an amazing accolade
1: and such a big award that on behalf of The Brown Family Wine Group, I'm so proud of you. It is absolutely exceptional and it's the award run by the Australian Women in Wine. They really celebrate women in the wine industry and the contribution that you've put towards the industry and also towards encouraging other women in the industry. What are your thoughts of the importance of this award?
2: Yeah, I guess, you know, I've always been, don't single anyone out on gender at all, but diversity is so important in the workplace and the wine industry probably at times hasn't had that balance quite right, and probably still doesn't in some areas. Yes, yeah, so I think promotion for these sorts of things and for the next generation of you know females coming along is great. We certainly keep the boys on the to- on their toes in the winery, don't we? <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure they think it'd be better if we weren't there sometimes. <laughs> keep them bossed around.
1: <laughs> I- they actually um, uh. probably need us there to keep them bossed around and keep them on their toes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that word diversity, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you have some words of wisdom for other women or even other people, no matter what gender, who are up and coming, wanting to know more about the industry or grow in the industry? What
2: can, what can you pass on to them? Oh, look, it's uh, amazing. Like If you can build a career in the wine industry, it is fantastic. It does take a lot of hard work, especially, you know, during vintage. There's a lot of long hours. You probably do need to give up, you know, quite a bit of your life, especially during vintage because ferments and wines and fruit doesn't stop coming in, so you just have to work around that. The other point, there's a world of wine out there and the, the community is amazing, and you would know that, Harry, from mm. travelling all around the world, just how inviting people are. You've never met people before, but the wine industry seems to just embrace you um, and we're so open about what we do and share ideas and knowledge. And yeah, it's quite an amazing industry to be
0: in. It's quite bizarre that you can ring another wine producer and say, we're doing a competitor tasting and we're using your wine. And they don't go, what are you using our wine for? They go, oh, really? What do you want to know about it? What's the, you know, here's our tasting notes. And do you need any extra information? It, it is just this real collaboration, which is a really, really cool thing.
1: And to the extent of even other winemakers saying things to us like, I'm interested in making Moscato or a fruity-style wine. Could you help me out? And we're not shy at all about telling them our recipe, telling them what we do, because it's about
2: sharing. Mm.
0: Yeah, Absolutely.
2: And they can work it out. They could take the long road and do Mm. all the testing. And You don't tell them all your secrets. Mm. You know, they need to find out some of their things (laughs) themselves. But, yeah, I think at the same – exactly, we share a lot of the – Our knowledge and that's why I think the Australian wine industry is so strong and like the AWRI and things like that, they're revered around the world because we just have such an amazing group of people that just keep challenging what we're doing. And Mm. we're not, I guess the other good thing is we're not stuck by some really hard and fast rules. We've got laws and rules that we've got to follow but our winemaking can be very free about... What we grow here or there or yeah, so we're quite lucky that way.
0: I thought you we were all going to tear up there when you. <laughs> <laughs> was like, oh, Kate, Kate and I are on the tears this week.
1: Ah, yeah, yeah, it's cool. been emotional. Actually, this year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, all the wine that's rolled out this year are at least five percent tears. <laughs> yeah, that's a
0: bit of extra saltiness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <The> COVID Christ! <laughs> <laughs>
1: if you see a tasting down the track it'd be like. This must be the 2020, it's got that salty tear element.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm not sure I'll be able to meld that into the podcast, <laughs> but I think okay. we'll have to. I think we'll have to. You
2: can put it in the outtakes. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> now, Kate, did you celebrate the win in style?
2: Oh, we did. We had, we sort of celebrated two things because it was my 15 year celebration with Brown Brothers and we rolled that in with the awards ceremony. So we had a really great dinner in the epicenter, which, KB put a lot of effort into and Joel likewise put a lot of effort into coming up with a great wine
0: list. And what was the pick of the wines on the night?
2: Oh, for me, uh, maybe the 2011 Patricia Chardonnay. Yeah, Amazing wine. Oh, it's holding up so well. It'll last another 10 years. It'll look just Brilliant.
0: Was that Yarra Valley?
2: No, it was Whitlands and Yarra. There was also a 2006 Derif, oh, yeah, which I think was
1: your first year of making Derif. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that with a really... Um, uh, an old an aged cheddar oh. was just Stop amazing.
0: Stop it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I was at home having some leftover pasta. <laughs> uh, uh, but then. you had it
1: with a bottle of like maybe Devil's Corner, Mount Amos Pinot, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: correct, correct. <laughs> Now, KB, I understand you found out about Kate's fantastic win early. How did you go about receiving this news and keeping it to yourself?
1: Well, keeping a secret from a colleague that you work so closely with is so difficult. And uh, over the last few years, there's been a few things that I've kept a secret that Kate has sort of sniffed out. But I got the phone call about two weeks ago to say that Kate had won this award. And of course, I burst into tears because it's 2020, that's how you react to most things in 2020.
2: <laughs> Any news. COVID <laughs> cries. And
1: I was told, I could not tell anyone, that this was my secret to hold till the awards night. And I had a moment and I was like, I can't do this on my own. So I called a wingman, I called Joel. I'm like, Joel, you need to help me. You're in charge of the wines. I'll organise the party, but we have to keep it a secret. So... Both of us did really well, actually. We didn't let the cat out of the bag. There was a few times over the last week where Kate has sort of said, oh, I'm not going to win. No one's called us. Normally if you win something, they call and make sure you plan something. And Joel and I just kept our lips shut. And it was perfect revenge because a few years ago I won a trophy at the Melbourne Wine Show and Kate knew about it. And Kate had told Jeff, who was my chaperone on the night, so they were all in on it and I had no idea. I thought it was impossible that I could win. But it was probably lucky that Kate had told Jeff because it ended up being, I think, a 3am finish <laughs> the night after winning the trophy. So um, I think Jeff actually sort of banked some sleep before the presentation night.
0: <laughs> Saved it up. Beautiful. <laughs> righty, we better get into this tasting and how it went. Just a bit of background for everyone first, the Patricia range was first released in 2003 with a sparkling Chardonnay, Merlot, Shiraz, Cabernet, Sauvignon and the Patricia Noble Riesling. After only making Patricia twice over six potential releases, we decided to drop Merlot, so we're down to to five potential Patricia releases. Now originally a Patricia wine wouldn't be labelled as Patricia unless it won at least one gold medal at a national wine show. And then after about six years of going down this process, we decided that the Patricia range had enough pedigree and and precedence for quality that we could go outside of this and that's where these tastings came in. We felt that if our Patricia wine looked really good against benchmark competitors, regardless of what happened in the show system, we still put the wines in the shows and they still did incredibly well, but that wasn't the be all and end all of it being a Patricia release. And so these tastings became incredibly fun (laughs) to try some amazing wines, but also gave us a chance to put Patricia wines up against some of the best of their particular varieties of anywhere in Australia.
2: I think the wine show system changed on us a little bit too, Mm. where we weren't able to put in unlabeled, you know, commercially released wines. So we had to, you know, think outside the square as well of how we could get that accolade and make sure that they were right.
1: So this year we had five potential releases to have a look at. They were the 2014 Sparkling, the 2019 Chardonnay, the 2016 Shiraz, the 2016 Cabernet and the 2017 Noble Riesling. So, we had an amazing looking lineup. So, first we'll talk about the sparkling wines. In this lineup for the tasting, we had the Piri, that was the 2012 vintage. We had the Patricia, which was the wine of focus, that was 2014. In competitor wines, we then had the Arras Brut Elite, the 2014 Jantz Single Vineyard Chardonnay, and the 2014 Clover Hill Vintage Release.
0: Yeah, so it is an amazing range of bubbles. Kate, do you want to give us your thoughts on this bracket?
2: Oh, well, I love sparklings. so um, (laughs) I think what's fantastic about all of these wines is that they're at that next level, so they've got complexity and build to them. They've all had extended time on lees, so they're really looking, yeah, just the level of complexity is Amazing. I guess the 2012 Piri just looked fantastic. Mm. Like, you know, it's been in bottle for a while. Um, under cork, it just was looking super, super good. And then our Patricia, yeah, again, looked fantastic. Six years on Yeastley, so, you know, you're just starting to get, you know, and you see some of that aldehyde that we like to build and, you know, it's a different style because it's Pinot dominant. Just Beautiful wines. I guess we were probably slightly disappointed in the Clover Hill as a group, but I think it, it just looked a bit tired. Maybe under cork. Yeah. C- it might have just been under cork for a little bit too long.
1: Also, found that the Jants just didn't quite stand up to the first three in the lineup, just a shorter palette, and it was 100% Chardonnay, so that might have, you know, that lack of Pinot component was probably the reason for that.
2: Yeah, not rounding out that mid palate a bit. Yeah, absolutely. But look, we're getting nitpicky. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) You know, it was a decent bracket. Absolutely, (laughs) yes.
0: All right, so we need a drum roll, please. Coming up on top of the bracket was the Peri Vintage 2012, and as Kate said, it just looked amazing. Then Patricia was in equal second with the Arras, and it was an absolute no-brainer that we put the Patricia forward for a Patricia release. It just looked fantastic in that lineup. So yeah, there was no no issues with that particular bracket. We could move on quickly.
1: Now next we looked at the Chardonnay bracket, and this really blew me away to have five such strong wines all next to each other was just, it was an amazing experience. I've judged in wine shows before when we've seen some amazing Chardonnays, but to have these five in such a consolidated bracket was a great experience. So we had the 2019 Toll Puddle. We had the 2019 M3 Shoran Smith. Then the 2017 Lewin Estate Art Series. Then we had the 2019 Patricia Chardonnay. And then to finish off, the 2018 Giant Steps Sexton Vineyard Chardonnay.
0: And as you said, KB, this was just an amazing bracket of Chardonnay. Like just every single wine, the first two wines on the nose, they they were just... They floored me, like they were so good. The Toll Puddle and the M3 um, sure and Smith Chardonnay. I was just—I I think I stuck on those wines probably for about ninety percent of the time, just because of the, the aroma that was coming through. Now, KB, you mentioned in our podcast with Fran Ametsbowl that this was an incredible lineup of Chardonnay, and you were going to get hold of some of these for the Christmas table. Have you have you made some purchases yet? Two
1: thousand and nineteen Toll Puddle has been purchased. Nice, and <laughs> it broke the bank. So, yeah, yeah. It's I, I think. We'll be drinking maybe one bottle of the Toll Puddle and lots of bottles of Brown Family Wine Group Portfolio. Nice.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I'll I'll allow one ring in for Christmas lunch. (laughs) Now, you and Ross tasted these together, didn't you? And so how did the Patricia fare in your tasting?
1: We were just so excited about how strong the Patricia looked in this lineup When we first looked at them blind, the Patricia was wine number four. And we just kept going back to it. Just the complexity, the layers, the citrus and then this minerality that really came through. We just kept going back for more. Toll Puddle was my standout. I just thought this was such a strong wine. And then it was that wine four that just kept coming back and I kept going back too. So I was absolutely delighted to see that that was
2: the Patricia wine.
0: And what about you, Kate?
2: Yeah, it's not often in a tasting like this, you usually go, oh, that's my least preferred, number five, and then you nut out. You know, your twos and threes and four usually falls out. Well, I stood there and thought, what am I going to put as number one? I could put all of these wines mm. as number one. They were so strong. So it was, a, it was the most challenging bracket to actually put one to five down.
0: And I think that's probably reflected in the scores a bit. There were scores were sort of all over the place from everyone because I think everyone sort of had their little favourites and so on. Uh, like we had a fair bit of conversation around uh, will the Patricia get up because – it didn't finish in the top sort of two, but we just went, well, all five you would put a Patricia label on. Why wouldn't we put the Patricia label on this particular wine? So, yeah, it absolutely um, got the nod through in an amazing bracket of Chardonnay's. <laughs> yeah.
2: And it just shows how outstanding Australian Chardonnay's have come in the yeah. last, say, 10 years or 15 years. Like yeah. We've just been getting better and better as producers to make really, really high-quality Australian Chardonnay.
0: And and the the Patricia this particular 19 release out of Tasmania this could be a 20 year wine in the cellar like it that level of minerality and acidity that it had like it's it's certainly not a wine that you would shy away from putting away for a few years for sure.
1: There's a problem with that though, Harry. <laughs> I don't think if I put it in my cellar it would last 20 years because I'd want to go down and drink it. and <laughs> key. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Where's, what's, wh- how does Valjean fit into the cellar yeah. si- situation? <laughs> <laughs> is, he, is he allowed in there?
1: <laughs> uh, this time of year in the middle of snake season, the cellar is uh, not touched as much <laughs> as what it is in the cooler <laughs> months.
0: You, you stomp around for half an hour before you go in. <laughs> Gun on the shoulder,
2: <laughs> quick run down, grab the bottle and
0: run back. Actually, just on the uh, the snakes, and uh, I know KB's got a funny story about this, but exactly the same thing happened to me yesterday. I was coming out of the sort of the backyard into where our garage area is, and this flocking big blue tongue lizard was right next to the. Garage. I just, I tell you what, I nearly jumped onto the roof. I thought it was a a snake just staring straight at me. Anyway, once. I sort of calmed down a bit I was like oh Dominic my little son five years old I said you've got to come and have a look and then he did the same thing he was out a snake <laughs> but that happened to you didn't it the other day coming out of the cellar door with a with a contract out
1: <laughs> showing someone the way to the engineering office and the expletives that came out of my <laughs> mouth I didn't even know that I could say <laughs> I feel like this sort of like you know heavy set Big bearded uh, contractor just learned a few a few extra words.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're doing well if you're making a contractor blush. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even 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 the blue tongue looked a bit funny at <laughs> you sideways. <laughs> Calm down, I'm only a Closet. blue tongue. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Sorry, we digressed a bit there. <laughs> All right, so let's get on to the Shiraz bracket. We had the 2016 Patricia Shiraz, the 2017 Taylor and Andrew Shiraz, 2017 Best Bin O Shiraz, the Franklin Estate 2018 Isolation Ridge and the 2016 Heathcote Estate Block F Shiraz.
1: It was really interesting for this bracket, That really interesting and really great, that Patricia was either everyone's first or second wine. This is really great because, of course, Shiraz is such a big category. So to pull out five Shirazes and five of the, the top Shirazes at this price point and for our Patricia wine to be... Up there as one or two is is our absolute dream. This is what we strive for every vintage, from the point of sort of spring now when we're out in the vineyards, to when we're bringing that fruit in, to when we're working it in the winery, down to you know, our time of blending. So, what an amazing pat on the back this was to
2: to really get these scores from across the panel.
0: What did you think of the lineup, Kate?
2: Yeah, again, Australian own, you know, Shiraz as a Mm. variety, really. So there are so many competitors out there that are at such high level and quality that, yeah, Patricia is sometimes, you know, if Amdenard is good enough. And this year it was. It was just a – I was surprised when it was revealed Mm. because I didn't think it was the – Pat, like, you know, yeah. which is, you know. So it was, a, it was just, oh, that is fantastic. And I think Joel said this is the best Tricia Shirazi thinks we've ever made, which is a big call. Yeah, uh, absolutely. From our chief. And yeah, I,
0: well, and he hasn't been here for long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I think it also reflects the change in style. You know, we've seen some really big, bold, heavy Shirazes, and there were some of those styles in this line but we're not striving to make that style Shiraz anymore. This was really nice sort of really red berries rather than sort of like those dark, Dark blackberries or dark plums, that beautiful spiciness, and that emphasis on the French oak really works so well with the fruit we're using in this wine now.
2: Yeah, I think we've across the board we've really, really refined all of these wines. You know, they used to be one hundred percent oak, just because that's that's what you did with top quality wines. You put one hundred percent new oak in them. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we've learnt across the, you know, ah, oh, and then we'd wind it back to eighty, you know, and now we're at a level where we're actually assessing should that parcel have how much, and then, you know, traditionally we were more American oak. It doesn't, it doesn't work with every parcel. So we've really brought in a lot of change over the years, and it's benefiting the wines.
0: What What I thought was really interesting is that we had like Taylor's and Andrews was probably the the heaviest. From the Clare Valley, which is, you know, like people think the Clare Valley is quite a cool climate because the Rieslings are so good, but it's actually pretty warm over there. And then probably the Heathcote Estate was sort of the next biggest. And then we had three really lovely cool climate examples. So it's not like we were, you know, having a cellar palette, looking at our Patricia Shiraz up against big fat Barossa or McLaren Vale wines. We were actually... Judging it up against some of the best cooler climate shirazes, and it shone through as being you know number one or number two for everyone. So just amazing.
2: The Franklin Estate won the trophy last year in Melbourne. Oh, it took out a number of trophies mm. in Melbourne last year.
0: Yeah, absolutely high quality shiraz. Yeah, amazing. Now, in terms of my notes on the Patricia Shiraz, I had some blackberry and spice on the nose, dark fruits to the palate with fantastic balance. Patricia was second to me only to Best Binot, so I had it number two. I had Best Binot as the number one from the Great Western, and it just had this beautiful, lovely, sort of whole bunchy, herbaceous lift on the nose to me. And I just, I love that. That was very intriguing to me. And that's where where I just ticked it above. But the Patricia was absolutely fantastic. All right, let's head on to the Cabernet Bracket. And the discussion, I'm going to have to leave over to um, Kate and KB. Because I, at this point in the tasting, had to duck off and do another virtual tasting or tasting event. And so was very, very sketchy at looking at the Cabernets. But uh, in the lineup, we had the Lumba the Menzies Cabinet 2015, Taylor's St Andrews Cabinet from the Clare Valley 16, 16 Devil's Lair Cabinet from Margaret River. 16 Patricia Cabernet Victoria. And then we had a little bit of an outlier with the 2011 vintage Xanadu Reserve from Margaret River. Now, for those of you that remember, 11 was a pretty wet year on the eastern seaboard, but Margaret River had a great year. This was a wine that was ordered through a big box retailer and sometimes when you order through these guys and they go, oh, yeah, well, our current vintage is 2016, but we've got a whole heap of this back vintage. We'll just throw this into these deliveries. So just a word of caution if you're going out and ordering online. Sometimes you don't get the vintage that you want. But anyway, it was a fantastic wine, but uh, probably just sat a little bit outside of the others because of the the variation in vintage. But uh, Kate and KB, what were your thoughts on the Cabernet Bracket? Oh,
2: again, like... We're listing off all of these wines, sorry listeners, you know. (laughs) It was called work. (laughs) So, But again, beautiful. Like you've got a line up where looking against two traditional Cabernet solid, Margaret River, Coonawarra, like, you know, really strong for Cabernet and the Patricia just looked beautiful. It had this great leaf and aromatics which you really, you know, it's a part of Cabernet. Mm. And then I think that structure and tannin on the palette was just fantastic. So again, you know, it will see years and years to come in the bottle. To me, yeah, I was really, really happy how it sat in this lineup.
1: And I really think in the cabernet bracket, we also saw that sort of progress of how wine styles are changing. And the the cabernets that really shone here were the ones that looked bright and fresh. Mm-hmm. I think the years have gone of having that really sort of heavy heavy style like we still want really good tannins and great tannin structure uh, in Cabernet but we we don't really want them sort of overpowering uh the fruit and the wines that did come up on top the Yolumba, the Devil's Lair and the Patricia all showed that beautiful tannin structure that really beautiful cassis character that you want to be able to see in uh, in Cabernets but then those layers
2: and that structure and that that refinement yeah that's right you don't want them to look like a Oh, is this Cabernet or is it just a, a Shiraz? You yeah, want which which that, sometimes yeah, you get can, from the warmer climates. Yeah, they, yep. over, they get overripe and they can mm. just look like a big fruit bomb of
1: anything. Yep. And Margaret River has really rained Cabernet for the last few years. Xanadu you know, won the Jimmy Watson with their Cabernet. I believe that was, was that last year? No, two years ago, three years ago. And we've just sort of seen a really sort of strong vintage after vintage from Margaret River. So for our wines to, to stand up to that, it's just so impressive.
2: Yeah, it was brilliant.
0: No, absolutely. And, you know, on my sort of small taste across the wines, yeah, I, I felt that the, um, the Patricia just looked incredible in the lineup. But uh, as I say, it was a fleeting <laughs> pass over the five wines. All right, so our final bracket was the dessert bracket and we only had two wines in this bracket because everyone knows that there's only two quality dessert wines in. I'm only joking, listeners, but we just thought it wasn't really worth bringing other competitors in that weren't sort of on the style that we were looking at. So no guessing as to the the, uh, competitor to the Patricia Noble was the de Noble One Semion, and absolutely stalwart of the Botrytis uh, wines of Australia. So it was just the two wines in this particular bracket and uh, it was... Amazing. Again, I only had a quick look at these, but I just smelt number one and went, yeah, that's my number one, before I even got to number two. <laughs> and uh, that was the way that the order was. Patricia was number one, and then de noble one, Semyon was number two. And uh, it's amazing, everyone had Patricia as number one. So uh, what was your thoughts, Kate? That's because we've trained them so well, Yeah, Harry. yeah, sell a pallet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, no, look, it's really about that Semyon riesling difference, and for me, the Riesling always just has that finer palate structure. It's not as big and, and bold. And then just all that beautiful aromatics you get from Riesling, the, you know, the real marmalades and, um, you know, rather than some of the deeper honey sort of things you can get out of the semion. on. Um, I mean, they're both beautiful wines. You'd have them with dessert, but yeah. I'm a bit of
1: a fan. <laughs> and Kate, you made this wine. Can you tell us a bit about uh, what this
2: vintage was like for Noble? I always get all my, you know, vintages. <laughs> 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 no, no, they're just, you know, because we're striving for the same thing every year. You know, a little bit of, you know, botrytis, fresh botrytis, some, a bit of fruit that's had some botrytis at some point during its ripening and started to dry off. So you get a bit of that raisin sort of look and then some of that fresh fruit. If they get to the winery, they don't necessarily mean they'll get to the bottle, Like, and we've missed quite a few. So this one was one of those, again, years we just were able to crack everything, even through to the ferment. It just was perfect. I don't believe there's any
1: other winemakers that are currently in this business that have had a direct handover of a winemaking recipe from John G. Brown to themselves. Mm. Can you quickly tell us about you learning how to make that Noble Riesling?
2: Yeah, it was really, I still, it's one of my treasured moments at Brown's. When I started in 2005 going to 2006 vintage, we hadn't had a Noble Riesling since 2002. So there was a big dry period there, so there was a lot of, you know, pressure on for getting a noble this year and they you know over the years they'd tried different things obviously there was a few dry years in there and irrigating over the top and all of this sort of stuff it just didn't work anyway so along comes 2006 and I just met Ross near cellar door one day and he said how's that noble you know everyone was about the noble '06, (laughs) and I said well at this stage it's looking okay in the vineyard and he said you should just give John a call And I was like, can I just give John a call, really? (laughs) He said, give him a call. He'll come and, you know, have a chat to you about it. I thought, oh, well, I will. I think I asked Wendy and she said, go for it. So we met out in the vineyard. We walked up and down a couple of the rows and he just gave me some of the best advice on what to look for, the different characters of the fruit and, yeah, just some of the advice. He said, everyone will want you to just pick it. It's the last thing. Vintage is basically done and Noble's hanging out there and... The vineyard guys will want you to pick it. The winery will want you to pick it so they could say vintage is over and done. He said, you just need to have patience. You tell them when you think it's ready. And it's exactly how it panned out. Like, is that noble ready? You'd be standing in the staff room, are you gonna pick that noble soon? Are you gonna pick <laughs> that noble soon? It's like, oh, I don't think it's ready, you know, just <laughs> hold everyone out. And yeah, and just and then down to, you know, fermenting things just to how to because they can build a lot of volatile acidity because there's so much sugar there and then you've got the effects of the botrytis mould there. Uh, so he just gave me some great tips on on how to make it and then, yeah, the O6 turned out to be an absolute cracker. Absolutely. And go on awesome. and win some fantastic awards. So, yeah, I just still remember his advice. It was brilliant.
1: There you have it, guys. A touch of history but also a touch of the future of looking at these Patricia releases and looking at the wines that will become available in 2021. And we'll become our Patricia range. Kate, thank you so much for giving us your time. I know you're very busy this week. Uh, Is there anything
2: else you'd like to finish off with? No, look, the Patricia tasting for us as a winemaking team is always really important, but it's also a really nervous time because, you know, a lot of effort's gone into these wines and then they've been sitting for maybe two, three, four years before we actually start looking at them to say, are they good enough or not? So, yeah, for a winemaker, it's, is it going to get up? Is that my wine? And when the final reveal happens and you know it's like oh yes it's number you know or, <laughs> or like the chardonnay discussion um, how do you choose any of these wines mm. so uh, yeah it's a great tasting for the winemakers congratulations again thank you for your time and we'll speak to you very soon again hopefully thanks guys
0: thanks, Kate. Yeah. how good was that everyone if you have any feedback for us at the ferment please send us an email, ferment at brownfwg.com.au. Also, don't forget to check out our Tasting Note podcast. Thanks for listening to The Ferment, everyone. Stay safe out there, chase hard, look out for each other.